This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The demand for housing in New Brunswick is growing. The average vacancy rate in the province is 1.9%. According to Statista, that is slightly higher than the vacancy rates in Ontario and Quebec. Meanwhile, Stats Canada says the Greater Moncton area is Canada's fastest-growing metropolitan area. So what does this all mean for the housing market and where do people with disabilities stand in all of this? Shelley Petit is the chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities, and Shelley has more to say on this issue. Hey, good morning, Shelley. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Shelley, thank you for bringing this topic to the table. When did signals of this housing issue begin? The housing issue for non-accessible housing was probably about four or five years ago. Sadly, in New Brunswick, people that need accessible housing, there's always been a crisis. We've never really had that available to us. They put us in pseudo quasi accessible housing and said, yeah, do the best you can. So knowing that this issue has persisted for a while, what has the government response been? Their favorite terms are let the market decide. So, you know, they really got out of having the New Brunswick Housing Corporation, they let that slide. MB Housing would provide what was called uh, rent subsidies, but they just felt that there was enough market units out there that were okay, close enough, that it was fine. But then about five years ago, it started getting tighter. You couldn't find three bedrooms. You couldn't find some one bedrooms or a few two bedrooms. Subsidies were put into real dives. They really, there's no other word for it, but a dive. We have a huge issue in New Brunswick radon. We have the highest percentage of radon seeping up through the ground. And something like 40% of our homes have radon seeping into them. And more and more people are developing cancers because of it and finding out too late. And those are the homes that people and rent subsidies were being put into. And that's just not okay, ever. Shelly, scratch a little bit deeper at some of those barriers that people are running into, because uh, sometimes people think about an accessible home as something with one or two accessible features, rather yes. than maybe a broader understanding of what accessibility actually means yeah. inside someone's home. Right. So, you, I mean, you, first you've got to be able to get to your floor, up and down to your floor. So people are sometimes on the second, third, fourth floor. The elevator goes out. The landlord doesn't see that as necessary to fix. The RTT, the Rentals Tribunal, doesn't mandate that to be fixed. And if you're on the fourth floor and have a wheelchair, you're now stuck in your apartment. That's not cool. Then you've got to be able to get through the doorway. Your doorways, your hallways need to be wide enough that you can get through. Something we're seeing is a lot of people that use bariatric chairs, so larger chairs, cannot get through. So they may just merely squeeze through a regular wheelchair, but the bariatric chair won't fit. In your kitchen, you've got to be able to get in. We've got so many people, <clears throat> excuse me, 
who can't access their kitchen. And they're told, well, we'll provide a home care worker. So they're paying someone to go into your home seven hours a day, seven days a week, so that you can get food from your kitchen instead of just making sure that units are properly made so we can access that kitchen. So you can go to the toilet by yourself. So you can shower by yourself. What a concept to be an adult and be able to have your own shower without having someone to have to help you do that all the time. So there's a lot more to accessibility. And that's just for your mobility. Then yeah. you can get into your vision accessibility or, you know, people with hearing loss, just having, you know, fire alarms that blink so that you have a hope to get out in a fire, things like that. What about the battle you might have with a landlord over allowing uh, animals into the home? Uh, and for someone who has a guide dog, a service animal, they're they're basically in the situation where now they're having to have a human rights fight with a landlord. Yes. And at what point that mm -hmm. landlord's going to say, you know what, I'm just going to rent this to someone else and I don't need to give you a right. reason why. Because the market is so tight as well, right? Like, like these all yes. these things fit together. When the market is tight, it gives the landlords a lot of power. And listen, that's fair. Power. Landlords yeah. can have a lot of power, but it means situations like, hey, you need to understand my guide dog is not an option. This isn't a pet. Your little no pets right. allowed sign doesn't qualify here. Yes, they can say no pets allowed, but a, a service dog is not a pet, nor in New Brunswick, our human rights board has ruled that uh, emotional support animals are also allowed. All you need is a letter from, and they've listed two or three specialists that say that you need this animal. And as long as it is always within your control, and well-behaved, you can have your emotional support cat with you in your housing unit on uh, regular transit, all this stuff. Landlords have been spoken to by the Human Rights Commission. They don't care. They're not allowed to say no children, professional adults only. They don't care. And then if you call and say, I have a rent subsidy, they hang up. So, you know, it has really left people with disabilities in a horrific place. And we've been telling the government this for years and years and years, and they just denied it. And now, you know, they're studying, studying, studying the situation. Oh, yeah. They created, they brought back the New Brunswick Housing Corp. And so far, I believe all they've done is pick their colors. Like, honestly, it's, it's ridiculous how little work they've done for how long this has been created and the amount of employees that work there. Yeah. New Brunswickers should be demanding better because tomorrow one of them could wake up and be a member of our community. Yeah, you and know, they're screwed. shocking, shocking reality. Uh, nobody has ever built a house in a boardroom. You know, uh, it's it, nope. no, no, nobody's ever put a shovel mm -hmm. in the ground from a boardroom. So uh, that that's probably some meaningful part of that conversation. That bureaucracy isn't necessarily one of the solutions here. There are solutions, though, Shelley. Like, like we shouldn't just yes. we shouldn't just leave this on such a negative note because I think no. I think anybody watching or listening understands the housing market stinks right now. Right. But there are solutions in place. So, to your mind, what are some of the good? holistic solutions that can at least start to bridge this gap and solve this crisis? So we've been pushing uh, provincially, federally, even municipally. We want to see more housing. Anything that's getting so much as a penny from the federal government, provincial government, even municipal governments in terms of land for the next little bit, at least go to universal design for housing. In universal design, anyone can live there. So whether you're a person with a disability our veterans, our veterans deserve better than what they've been left with. Uh, and I say that as a mom of a, of a with a daughter in the service. Um, you know, our seniors deserve better. I look at what my mother's going through right now. It's not right. And with universal design, anyone can live there. But even more so, 
you know, an able-bodied person who's in an accident tomorrow, could be a sporting accident and needs a wheelchair for two months. If they have a unit that's been universally designed, they're fine. If not, they may have to hire someone to take care of them for two months or, you know, it becomes an excessive cost oof, to the healthcare system. So why not just start going universal design the way Australia has, the way Ireland is, because we know it works for everyone. And then we're never left with these unused units that are being held just in case someone needs a wheelchair or a vision accessible unit, because no, those shouldn't be held when people are freezing to death on the streets. Shelley, uh, it's an important topic. Thank you for bringing it to the table. Housing is a topic that uh, regularly gets conversed here. Thank you for bringing the New Brunswick perspective into the mix. Anytime. Have a great day. That's Shelley Petit, chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe will share the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Rob Westgate with your morning business minutes. Bay Street ended last week on an up note, making advances in the battery metals and telecom sectors. Toronto's S&P TSX gained 199 points to close at 19,825. That's about a 1% jump. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up as well, adding 222 points to 34,061, while the Nasdaq rose 184 points up to 13,478. The Asian markets were performing very well this morning with Japan's Nikkei finishing up 759 points at 32,708, a more than 2% increase. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong closed up 302 points at 17,967. Dozens of workers at Ontario's public broadcaster will be back on the job today after voting this weekend to accept a new collective agreement and end a strike that stretched on for nearly three months. And the loonie is trading overseas this morning at 73.28 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate. Thank you very much, Rob. Let's go from business to the world of weather. Here's Alex Smythe. Alex, something pretty cool happened over the skies over the course of the weekend. Yeah, Dave, and you didn't have to travel like I did to Iceland to witness it. Uh, you could experience it in your own backyard. So uh, we're looking and reflecting on the geomagnetic, uh, geomagnetic storm that took place over the weekend that resulted in the Aurora Borealis being visible across parts of Europe and North America much further south than normal. So it was the solar activity coupled with clear conditions allowed places like Ukraine, the UK in Europe, and even the prairies, parts of Ontario and Quebec to see a dazzling display of not only the traditional green colors, but even the hues of red, which is a bit more uncommon to, to witness. And there's tons of photos out there of just uh, beautiful photos that people have been able to take across the uh, kind of the northern regions within Europe and North America. But the lights were actually even visible all the way down towards the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia. And Really, what and something I've, I've learned too, there's three major factors when it comes to Aurora and, and its visibilities. Obviously, the, the solar activity, like this geomagnetic storm, is a big factor, but so are cloud cover and then also the amount of light in the sky. So if you have a full moon or a really bright moon, it's going to really reduce visibility. But since there wasn't a full moon right now, that's really increased. It allowed for these really vibrant colors to, to come on display. But the fortunate thing is, if you have missed this uh, last activity on last night, don't fret. 
there's always more apps and websites that track the level of geomagnetic storms and activity. And it seems to come up every few weeks, every few months that there will be another storm and another chance to witness the Aurora. Very cool. Alex, thank you for this. Coming up after the break, the Mr. Dress Up documentary is bursting with nostalgia. Kim Thistle will share her review of the film. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.